a reading from Psalms 119, starting from verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Turn my heart to your decrees and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at vanities. Give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise, which is those who fear you. Turn away the disgrace that I dread, for your ordinances are good. See, I have longed for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Leviticus 19. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect your mother and father and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because they have desecrated what is holy to the Lord. They must be cut off from their people. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not perverse justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we give you great thanks for your word. We thank you for the way that you, uh, through it, teach us the way of salvation uh, through faith in your son. Teach us now as we uh, continue to look at the book of Leviticus. that it may teach us to live a holy and obedient lives in service of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, life has certainly changed these last six months, hasn't it? Uh, We're housebound, except for the one hour's exercise and some food shopping, meeting a friend in a cafe, 
going to see a live show or, or even live sports seem like a thing of the past from ages long gone, long gone, but, but it w- won't last forever. Me personally, I, I love watching sport live. And although it'll be a while before I can enjoy that again, uh, sport on the telly has been great. Uh, even if our teams are playing rubbish, we can always blame COVID, can't we? And, and I reckon the whole bubble idea is ingenious. Now, for those who aren't aware, the, the bubble is what's happening uh, in sports, where particular codes of the basketballers or AFL players, they'll kind of come together to form a bubble. And the idea of the bubble is that those inside the bubble can't go out of the bubble and those outside can't come in. It basically protects the players from getting COVID. Uh, and it's actually a, a brilliant, clever idea. As long as the expectation that everyone will stay in the bubble is kept, as long as everyone behaves correctly. But when sports stars, but when it comes to sports stars, particularly when they think they're, they're above the expectations, well, they get caught it makes the news and another fine after fine after fine is dished out. But you see, the bubble works when the expectations are met. Well, this morning we uh, continue our time in the book of Leviticus, a book about God's holiness. Uh, how is it that he, God, super holy, how can he be present among a, a sinful, defiled people? Uh, and in the first half of the Bible, uh, in the first half of Leviticus, I should say, uh, there's all these various rituals, offerings and blood needed to deal with sin. A priesthood who could mediate uh, between God and the people in the Day of Atonement, that that yearly uh, event which helped deal with the defiling uh, that sin left. And now we've come to the second half of the book and see. And see that God, he expects holiness from his people. God's holy and he expects his people to be holy, just like him. Uh, Look here at Leviticus 19 to be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. As a holy God, God expects his people to be holy, just like him. And remember, holiness refers to being set apart, being distinct, being different. And so God's holiness is now seen in various laws. And I wonder what you made of them. Some of them really make sense today, don't they? Don't steal, don't lie, don't deceive one another. Uh, But others, like wearing clothes with two types of material or not cutting the side of our side, not cutting the hair on our sides or beards, well, well, I've broken both of those uh, recently. And so we can actually be left wondering, what do we do with these laws today? And it's actually a tricky thing. You see, we must remember that Leviticus was to a particular people at a particular time. And so we can't apply them straight to us. You see, we are people of the cross of the New Testament. We're not from the Old Testament. And so it would be a mistake to read them straight into our lives today. But then there are similarities, because just like them, we too are called God's holy people. You see, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, Leviticus 19 is quoted. We too are holy. We are holy. We are God's holy people. And we be holy because God is holy. And so there are actually things that we can learn from here, as as this law reflects God's holy character. But you see, before we can actually bring it to our lives today, 
we must view them through the lens of Christ. I wonder if you know these spy hidden picture things. I've got an example here. You know the ones where you you look at a picture uh, and it doesn't look like there's anything there, but then when you place a red lens over the top, well, well, a hidden message is is revealed. But see, it's only as the the red lens goes on top that, that you can see that hidden message. You see, we need to view the law here in Leviticus and and elsewhere in the Old Testament. We need to view it through the lens of Jesus. What does the New Testament say about these laws? And well, some will will say quite a lot, uh, and and so these are the ones we must abide by. But others, where there's silence, well, well, for them, we, we just need to remember that they were written to a particular people at a particular time, and for some reason that they are hidden from us today. Well, this morning our reading came from Leviticus chapter 19, but we're actually going to be looking at chapters 18, 19, and 20. They really come uh, as a unit. So have a look here at the, the start of chapter 18. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. We see throughout these chapters the repeated refrain, I am the Lord. And this phrase was a great reminder of, God's saving grace. You see, back in Exodus, God had rescued his people. They were slaves in Egypt. And with incredible signs and wonders, God rescues and delivers them out of slavery. And the phrase, I am the Lord your God, was a reminder of God's saving mercy. That he had saved them, that he had rescued them. And you see, most famously, before Before the Ten Commandments, the most famous of the law, just before this law is is given, how does it begin? Have a look here. I am the Lord your God, you see there's a phrase, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You see, before a law is uttered, God reminds them of his mercy and rescue. I am the Lord your God, reminded them that they were God's saved people and that they were saved before they were giving the law, and that as saved people, they now live different lives. You see, the law wasn't a holiness letter. Uh, if you follow these laws, well, you will grow in holiness, and if you reach the top, God will might save you. No, 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 it's not like that at all. You see, God saves them first. Then he gives them the law. It is grace and rescue before the law. And it's the same for us today. We see throughout the New Testament that we are saved by grace. It was when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It is at that point that Jesus died to save us. You see, we were saved uh, when we put our trust in Jesus. And you see, when we acknowledge this, uh, it's with the knowledge of this that we are saved. Well, that lead to action. And it's because we've been saved that we seek to live a holy life. You see, knowing that they've been saved, I am the Lord your God, you see, that drove them to holy living. <clears throat> and holy living meant that they were countercultural, not living like the nations around them. Have a look here from verse uh, 3. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey, obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. 
I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. You see, God rescued them to be his holy, distinct people, and they were to be countercultural. Did you notice that in verse 3? They weren't to live like the Egyptians where they'd been or, or the Canaanites where they were going. You see, they were to be different, distinct from the nations in which they would, in which were around them. You see, God rescued them to live differently. And they were to be different, as we see in chapter 18 and 20, uh, when it came to sex. Uh, chapters 18 and 20, they, they mirror each other. Chapter 18 uh, uh, highlights particular sexual practices that were forbidden. And then in chapter 20, we'd see the punishment for, for, for doing those things. And while the things listed uh, here in, in chapter 18 and 20, they were kind of like normal practice for the Canaanites. That's just what they did. But for God's rescued holy people, well, they were to be different. You see, their obedience to God when it came to sex uh, showed this. But you see, for us today, as, as we read through these laws, we might think ourselves, or we've, I'm sure we've definitely heard other people say, these are dated. These are primitive. These these actually don't relate to us anymore. Just, just have a look at verse 22. Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. You see, people will say, well, our culture has moved on from this. You see, so these laws are obsolete and primitive. They don't, they don't apply to us anymore because as a culture, we've evolved. We know better. They don't apply. But you see, while people will use that argument, we can't let our culture drive our interpretation of God's word. We can't let our culture determine our understanding. Because you see, back then, Israel, they were to be countercultural. These were normal practices for, for the other cultures around them at the time. But for God's holy people, well, they were different. They were distinct from the world. And so it's the same for us today. We can't let our culture interpret God's word. We must be shaped by God's word, not our culture. And so we must view these things through the lens of the New Testament, because this is how we live holy and distinct lives now, being different from those around us. And while we're to be different we're not to be different just for the sake of being different, like wearing uh, daggy clothes or listening to lame music, but being different in our behaviour. You see, it's our conduct and our actions. They are to be different. They are to be holy because we are the saved, rescue people of God. And you see, when, when we act and behave differently, well, then we'll be seen to be different. For the Israelites, and for us today, it was sex. It was sex that marked them out as different from the world around us. Because it showed that we are holy, set apart, and different. Well, God expected holiness from his saved people, and he expected them to obey. Otherwise, there were grave consequences. They would be vomited out of the land. Uh, we, we see this uh, uh, quite a few times uh, within our, our chapters, uh, but we'll have a look here at 18.24. Uh, do not defile yourselves in any of these ways. 
because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native-born and, and foreigners residing, uh, residing among, among you must not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. The Canaanites, they defiled the land by their wickedness and sin, and so they were booted out of the land. But the language is stronger than that, isn't it? They were vomited, expelled, heaped out of the land. And here lies the warning for God's people. Obey God. Live as God's holy people, being distinct and different from the world. Or you'll be vomited out of the land too. You see, I wonder if this reminds you of anything. You see, in the final book of, of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus, he writes, a, he writes letters to, to various different churches. Uh, and in one of those letters to the church of Laodicea, Jesus rebukes them. He says, I know your deeds. You were neither cold or nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit, vomit you out of my mouth. And I wonder, did Jesus have Leviticus on his mind here? You see, there are grave consequences for rejecting God's holiness and not living as God's holy, distinct people. You see, God takes holiness seriously. And as God's saved people, they were, we are, to live differently from the world around us. You see, our behaviour matters. We're to seek to live holy lives. Because if we don't, well, there are awful consequences. Kicked, booted, vomited out. You see, God rescued his people. And they're to live holy, obedient lives, being different from the nations around them. Otherwise, they'll be vomited out of the land. God has rescued his saved people, and so they're to be different from the nations around them. Otherwise, they'll face grave consequences, being vomited out of the land. And in Leviticus 19, we actually see the key, the motto for the whole book. Uh, have, a le- have a look here at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy. Because I, the Lord your God, am holy. You see, God had rescued them, and so they were to imitate their holy God. God is characterized by by holiness, and so their conduct was to be holy. And their their obedience uh, to God and to the law was was holiness in action. And as we look through these chapters, we see that holiness covered every area of life, and it's how you treat others, how we treat our parents, how we worship, how we farm, how we st- whether we steal or lie, how we treat our workers or disabled or the poor. Holiness covers every area of life and it's, and it's our actions and our treatment of others. You see, holiness isn't some abstract 
mystical thing, as if you need to leave the world and be separated like a, a nun or a monk, hidden away, separated and removed from the world as if that makes you holy. But that's actually not what we see here. Did you see that? Holiness just refers to the simple, common, everyday things that happen in life. It is how we treat people from day to day. You see, we could sum up holy living there from verse uh, 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You want to know what holy living is? Loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, loving your neighbor will mean that you're not going to steal from them or or lie or or cheat them in business. You're not going to slander them behind your back. And, you know, Jesus quoted this verse when he was asked about the law, which is the greatest of all the laws. Jesus, he summarizes the law. He summarizes all the Old Testament with these two things. Love God and love your neighbors. You see, loving your neighbors was a way of, of this of displaying your holiness just like for us today as as we love our neighbors as ourselves we are acting like god's saved holy people and, and who are our neighbors well are the people on our street it's those in our families in our church at uh, work it'd be those people in our mother's group or, or school or social groups it, it is everyone it is the people we get along with But it's also the people that we don't get along with. You see, everyone is our neighbour. And while there's lots of practical things we can be doing at this time to love our neighbours, why don't you give someone a call this week? Someone you wouldn't normally call. Someone from church? A long-lost friend? Check in. Find out how you can practically be loving them at the moment. But you see, it's so much more than this. Because it's actually how we treat each other. Uh, to mention a couple, just to not lie and deceive others, but really anything uh, listed there. But you see, this doesn't mean that we become a doormat and let people trample all over us or that we become silent when we've been hurt. Because you see that in verse 17, we are to rebuke our neighbours frankly. You see, if we value other people, Uh, We will want to talk to them about the issue. We'll want to deal with it out in the open rather than just let it pass. But you see, that is much easier said than done. It's much easier just to bottle things up. But you see, that just leads to resentment. And this isn't loving your neighbour. That's not holy living. Holiness is seen by the way you love your neighbours and it is by raising the concerns you have with them. It is speaking the truth in love. As you work through this chapter, remember to view them uh, through the the lens of Christ. What does the New Testament say about this? And so for Sam and Vicky, who've just planted stacks of fruit trees during lockdown, verse 23, you are free to eat the fruit whenever it comes, rather than waiting for the fifth year. But, But the underlying principle remains Love your neighbour as yourself. I think it would be helpful to come back to sex just before we finish. You see, part of loving our neighbours, part of living as God's holy people, it's how we treat sex. Sex in the wrong context, anything other than between a husband uh, and a wife, 
that it desecrates the holy. It is against God's will. But it also causes issues among the relationship. Uh, one of the examples there in chapter 18 is that don't have sex with your father's wife. It will dishonor your father. You see, that will cause a, a brokenness in the relationship between your father and you. And while the world tells us we've got to have sex before we get married, that we're missing out unless we have sex, they'll mock us, they'll tease us, they'll ridicule us. God shows us that sex is for marriage and marriage alone. You see, sex outside of God's intention actually causes damage. You see, sex is the glue that helps a marriage stick together. It helps them stick. Uh, And so as you sleep with multiple partners, a part of each person becomes stuck to you. Think of the damage that would be left if you got two different things and you stuck them together with super glue. It's set, and then you try to to peel them off. You'd have parts of broken bits of of each one on on, on each object. You see, both would be damaged. And you see, that's the damage that's caused by sex. As a part of you and a part of the other person is really stuck to you. And and I say this speaking from experience. I'm still plagued today by sexual sin that I did over 20 years ago as an unbeliever. It causes real damage. And it's the same with pornography. Not only will it damage the the view that you will have of of sex with your spouse or your future spouse, but it actually uh, damages the endorphins within your brain. And then there's the, the people on the screen and the damage that causes. I don't have the time to get into it all. Now, if you struggle with, with pornography, let me encourage you to look at uh, this website, resistporn.org. Resistporn.org. It is a helpful website. But here's the thing. Like all sins, some of us have stumbled and fallen short of God's holy expectations whether now or in the past, but we are people of grace. You see, Jesus has dealt with sin once and for all in his death and resurrection. He died and took the punishment for all our sin, all our past and present sin. We are forgiven. You see, when we come to the Lord Jesus in repentance and faith, we are forgiven even if we continue to struggle. You see, we will fall short in sin. And even if we're enslaved to a particular sin for a while, as we loathe the sin within us and seek to live a life of of repentance, we have received God's warm embrace of, of salvation and forgiveness. But if we so embrace the world's view of sex, living it up to the max without remorse, we may need to ask whether we've truly understood the gospel and what it means to live as as God's holy people. Because it's not that we won't sin, but that we live differently from from the world. We need to take reminder of of, of whether we are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, in the dangers of being, being spit out by Christ. Let me finish with the words of Romans 6. But now that you have been set free from sin 
and become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus. We have been set free from sin. We're no longer slaves of sin, but have become slaves of God. We seek to live for him and to live holy lives. You see, living as God's holy people, knowing that we have been saved, we have been rescued, we have been given eternal life. That we no longer live for the world and what the world desires, but that we live for God and what he desires as God's holy, set apart and distinct people. Should we pray together? Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we thank you for this, for the book of Leviticus and the great things it continues to teach us today. Father, give us great wisdom as we work through books like this, that we may see what it means for us today to live as your holy people. And while some things will not apply to us, many things as we look through the lens of Christ do apply to us, particularly when it comes to sexual purity. Father, we're sorry for the way that we have transgressed, uh, the way that we have uh, tripped up in, 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 this, in this regard. And we do ask that you would forgive us. And as we, for some of us, continue to struggle with that, we pray that you would help us uh, to, to put on Christ, to, to live for Christ, to put, to put sin to death uh, and to, to live the life uh, of uh, holiness in which you have called us to live. Father, help us be so distinct by the world, by our conduct, by the way that we treat our neighbours and everyone around us. Father, help us in this endeavour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.